Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Family, um, we're studying a sermon series called God is Holy. Um, and this series is based on the holiness of God or being set apart, a biblical view of God's holiness. And uh, the concept of holiness from the Hebrew, it's really to separate, to set apart, uh, sacred or to sanctify. And um, this uh, whole set apart series is going to be the theme for the year because that's what we feel and believe God is calling us to as his people in the world today, as every nation globally. This is our theme for the rest of the year. We feel that God is calling us to be separated, to be set apart, to be sacred for his glory. You know, the other way to describe God's holiness is talking about God's theophanic throne in heaven, a throne of heaven. You may ask, what is a theophanic? Theophanic means God's manifest presence. The Greeks, they celebrate a theophanic a feast. It actually happened to be yesterday where they celebrate when God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit appeared all at once when Jesus was being baptized. I don't know if you noticed that there we saw the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit all at one together. When we talk about God's theophanic throne, a throne of fire, I'm blown away. When you read in Revelation, the Bible says his throne is a throne of fire. Even the wheels of his throne are fire. So it just gives you a glimpse of the kind of God that we serve, that he's a God of fire. Again, the other way of looking at God's holiness is being separated from infirmity, from impurity, and from sin. But we are not just separated from those things. We are separated towards something. We are separated from sin, but we are separated towards God. That's what God's holiness is all about. We are separated towards God. I like Psalm 96 verse 9. It's really the, 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 the song that we sang this morning, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Tremble, tremble, be afraid of this God. Splendor speaks of magnificence and grandeur. I guess the best way to describe God's holiness the closest thing to God's glory and holiness is the sun. So if you didn't know, the sun's energy, it emits 44 quadrillion watts. So for some of us, we're like, man, what is 44 quadrillion watts? I know that we currently have an energy crisis, so we don't really like to talk about energy. But I just want to show you that God never has an energy crisis. In fact, to run the sun for one day, you're going to need 44 million power stations emitting 1 billion watts in one day. I don't think Midupi will make it. <laughs> just saying, just saying. Now, if you look at this, this is the sun, that white little dot there, that's, that's the earth, that's us. Maybe a different way of showing it is uh, 
That's the sun, and this is us. That little dot there, you live there. This is us. And we think that we can play games with God. We think that we can approach God just uh, as uh, haphazard as we like. I just want to give you a sense of how powerful our God is when we speak about worshiping Him in the splendor of holiness, in the beauty of holiness. I think the mistake we make is uh, just looking at the beauty of the sun, the beauty of the holiness of God, forgetting that there is danger that comes with it. Let me make a confession. You can make your confessions later. When I was still very young, very, very young, there's certain games that we will play and you regret later on because of lack of knowledge. We would play a game where we will stare at the sun and uh, basically the winner is the one who can stare the longest without blinking. If you have tried it, please, it's one of those moments I say, please don't try this at home. Do not try this at home. I'm glad that the only game I play with my kids is uh, we face each other, we say who will blink first, and then the winner is the one who is able to last long. But we used to stare at the sun. So you can imagine staring at the sun, the impact it had on us without realizing was there's a phenomenon called solar retinitis where actually your retina starts to crack. It is so painful that even though I believe God has healed me, to this day, I still struggle with very bright lights. That's how dangerous the power of the sun is. So the best way to put it is... Um, we may be fascinated by the beauty of God's holiness, but we are oblivious to the power and the danger of God's holiness. We are oblivious to the fact that the, 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 the power that God carries is a power that transforms lives. It's the power that cannot meddle with sin. Not that God cannot forgive sin, but the holiness of God requires us to come and approach Him in a different way. With that in mind, let's go to the word of the Lord in Joshua chapter 24. The text we're using today is uh, the words that Joshua shared with the people of Israel after they'd crossed the Jordan. We heard about crossing over the Jordan last week Sunday when Pastor Roger was preaching. He spoke about consecrate yourself for tomorrow. God is going to do amazing things consecrate yourself. This week we'll be consecrating ourselves. We'll be doing the same. We'll be saying, God, we're expecting you to do great things this year. And what I like about what Joshua is saying here, this is the last chapter of the book of Joshua. Joshua is about 110 years old. He's about to die. And these are his last words. How many of you will agree with me that someone's last words before they die are important? Because whatever they say is something that they don't want you to forget. It's very, very important that they say that. I always remember that when my dad was about to pass away, he had had a heart attack and we we're trusting God that he will recover, he'll be healed. Uh, he was looking for me. I happened to be in America at the time. If you didn't know that my Tswana name means Cholakai, Cholakai is one who travels. That's why I'm always on the road. <laughs> In fact, the direct translation is, where have you been? <laughs> My wife doesn't like that name. I'm glad they didn't make it on the ID. So I was traveling and uh, 
my dad was looking for me, and because they couldn't get hold of me, they couldn't find me, he asked for my wife. He asked for Lindy. And uh, Lindy got on the car, driving from Joburg to Pochefstrom to get to my dad. And sadly, while she was still driving there, I don't know at what speed she was driving, she got the words, my dad passed away. It was quite sad. At that time, when I spoke to my wife, I said, baby, you should have driven at 160 kilometers per hour because you don't know, maybe dad was going to tell you where he stashed the millions. <laughs> to this day, the Lord is uh, dealing with my heart that my wife didn't make it to the millions that have been stashed somewhere. It shows sometimes when someone is about to die, we think more about money than we should think about the great things that they want to tell us that might be directional for our lives. So let's read. Joshua 14, 24 verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him sincerely or in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Ammonites, in the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the people, before us all the people, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for He is our God. We continue to read in verse 19, But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for the Lord is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then He will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done good to you. Ouch, ouch, ouch. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve Him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, Then put away foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and His voice we will obey. For Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. This is the word of the Lord. So friends, this text that we've just read, it gives us a speech, what I will call a legacy speech. Joshua is about to die. Joshua is about to die, and his legacy speech was this one thing. I think if I were to sum it up in this one sentence, Joshua would say, if you don't choose to worship God with your life, you are choosing to worship other gods. 
I know that this statement is provocative because it means that you, you cannot say, no, no, I'm in the middle, you know, I'm worshiping God, but I'm also worshiping other gods. You have to make a choice. Are you worshiping God or are you worshiping other gods? There is no middle ground. We are all worshipers. The question is, who are you worshiping? The question is, who are you giving glory with your life? The question is, how are you living a life in such a way that you can live a legacy for future generations that they can look up at you like they looked at Joshua and they said, Joshua left us with something. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, we look at uh, this uh, speech that Joshua gave to the children of Israel, reading from uh, verse 24, verse 14, it says, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Serve God in sincerity and in faithfulness. And I know that some of us, we like sermons that preaches about the beauty of God, about the grandeur of God, about the magnificence of God, about the love of God. But we don't want sermons that speaks about the fear of God. We don't want sermons that speaks about the judgment of God. From the text we just read, Joshua is saying, I don't want to miss my words. I don't want to leave you in the dark. I want you to know that if you are to choose today to serve the Lord, it starts with fearing God. It starts with the fear of the Lord. So when we talk about the fear of God, I know that some of us will say, well, we are happy with the God of the New Testament, but the God of the Old Testament who consumes people, we are not sure about Him. Let me tell you, it's the same God. It's the same God. The God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. So when we say that we are approaching God in the beauty of His holiness, in the splendor of His holiness, we must understand that the same God expects holiness from us. Because He said, be holy for I am holy. We read in the New Testament now, the same God that is from the Old Testament. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought it best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. Maybe some of you, you may be going through some challenges in life, some excruciating pain, and it feels like God is disciplining you. The Bible says He disciplines those He loves. The Bible says God is disciplining us so that we may be able to share in His holiness. So God's discipline is for our own good. Can I hear amen to that? So we should not shun God's discipline. I like one of the songs uh, that uh, comes from uh, uh, Maverick that speaks about we should embrace God's chastening. We should embrace God's discipline. And it continues to say, make every effort to live in peace with everyone, not with some, because we choose some people that we want to live at peace with, right? Some people will shun them. This one, I'm not sure if they're even going to make it to heaven. Especially our bosses. God loves them as well. 
God loves them as well. The Bible says make every effort to live at peace with everyone. It's part of our holiness. It says to be holy. Without holiness, no one can see the Lord. Without holiness, no one can get closer to the sun. That scorching heat power of the sun. Verse 28 and 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Now, here in the New Testament, the Bible says our God is a consuming fire. I don't know if you can see there is a, a theme, there's a pattern about God and fire. It means that when we come uncleansed before the Father, when we come unclean before the Father, His fire will consume anything that does not belong to Him. The God we serve is a God who is a consuming fire. He says that when I discipline you, when I chastise you, it's for your own good so that you can be able to share in my holiness. So, as we begin the year, I want to challenge us to embrace serving God and understanding the fear of God. Understanding the fear of God. I guess the other way to put it is uh, the way Joshua said. He says that put away other gods, the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Put away other gods. When we talk about putting away other gods, it's the same as putting away idols. I love the song we sang this morning that says, In your presence, every idol is shattered. So an idol is something that seeks to take the place of God in our lives. And when we talk about idols and other gods, I know that we may only be thinking about witchcraft. We may only be thinking about Sangomas. But let me tell you that your career can be an idol. Your car can be an idol. Your shoes can be an idol, ladies. <laughs> should I continue or should I stop here? Your house can be an idol. There's so many things that we idolize. Your cell phone can be an idol. Things that seek to take the place of God in our lives. The same scripture we read, when you read it again, a correlation of the scripture is in Psalm 106. Verse 38 to 39, the Bible says, They worshipped their idols, which became a snare to them. It was a trap to move them away from God. They sacrificed their sons and daughters to false gods. Sad to say, it's still happening today. People sacrificing their sons and daughters for riches. They shed innocent blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was desecrated, was polluted by their blood. They defiled themselves by what they did. By their deeds, they prostituted themselves. Let's bring it close to home. It is sad to say that in the church today, we still have syncretism. Syncretism, it is when we say we worship God, but at the same time, we consult with mediums, we go to witch doctors, we go to Sangomas. We say we worship God, but we also do other things on the side. Syncretism also is, uh, recently you might have seen, uh, just at the beginning of December, uh, we had people going to cleanse the N1. We had 
We had pastors, we had priests, we had sangomas, traditional doctors bowing down there, cleansing the N1 so that there will not be uh, uh, accidents. And I thought to myself, isn't it time that we realize that we are desecrating, we are polluting, because some people were sacrificing animals. We are desecrating, we are polluting the land by sacrificing lives. If you didn't know, there is a place in Pretoria called the Freedom Park. The Freedom Park, it's uh, right next to the Fortaker Monument where there's altars where our leaders have sacrificed and got into covenants. We don't know what covenants and we wonder why is the land polluted? Why are we facing the challenges that we are facing as a nation? We, as the children of God, we need to revoke those covenants. We need to renounce those covenants in the name of Jesus. We renounce them in the name of Jesus. In fact, in the same spirit as we've been praying for our nation, I felt like we should stop and pause now. And for those who are joining us online, we are going into the election year. We know that the enemy is doing everything that he can to bring division in our country. The Bible says a house divided will not stand. So I'm going to ask you to stand one more time. Let's pray for our nation. We're now going to renounce and revoke those covenants that our leaders may have entered into. We are putting away other gods. Let's stand in the gap on behalf of our nation. You pray in your mother language. You pray in a way that you feel comfortable. Let's just pray against this covenant. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus and renounce this covenant. We renounce this covenant in the name of Jesus. We rebuke this covenant in the name of Jesus. We revoke this covenant in the name of Jesus. We are trusting God that our nation will return to you. Lord, we say we put away other gods. We put away other gods in the name of Jesus. Father God, we don't want to worship idols. We don't want to worship the foreign gods. We want to worship the God who created the heaven and earth. We want to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Father, come down. Help us, Lord God. Restore the fear of the Lord in the name of Jesus. 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 We are putting away all other gods. Lord, we repent on behalf of the nation, on behalf of our leaders, Father God where there's been covenants that have been entered into on behalf of this nation. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. Remember, the challenge for us today is if you don't choose to worship God, you're choosing to worship other gods. This week of prayer and consecration I pray that the Lord will reveal to us if there's any other gods that are seeking to take the place of God in our lives. May God reveal to us, because what I love about a time of fasting and prayer is we get so close to God, even our ears are wide open to hear what He wants to say to us. And I believe what God is saying to us is put away other gods. Put away other gods. I feel to say that some of us, we even worship other people without realizing. We worship our spouses. We worship marriage. It's time to repent. We should only worship one God, the audience of one. 
The Bible says, choose this day whom you will serve. It's amazing the words that Joshua uses. I mean, look at the words that he picks. He says, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. Do you see it as evil to serve the Lord? Choose ye today whom you will serve. Whether the gods the Father served in that region where we used to be before we came to Canaan, or whether you want to serve the gods of this land where we are in. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, the power of these words are these. Joshua understood that as a father, as a man in the house, your role is to be prophet, priest, and king. The role of a man in the house, God has placed you there as a spiritual leader, spiritual head of the family, not to oppress, not to be overbearing, but to be a priest. It means you're leading your family towards God's goodness, towards God's love, towards God's greatness, towards God's magnificence, towards God's holiness. What I like about these devotionals that we do, as you can see, I'm still one of those old school people. For some of you, you can do you version app has got the devotional. I want pen and paper to write what God is saying. But we can do these devotionals as a family as well. And let it not just be during the week of prayer and fasting. Let it be for the rest of the year that we read the Bible together. Prophet, priest, and king. As a king, you're meant to protect your family. As a king, you're meant to be there for your family when they need you the most. As a king, a father understands when he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's understanding that role of a prophet who says, this is where God is calling us to go. Let's go this way. Joshua understood that. As I was preparing and I got to this point, I felt the Lord says, we need to be aware that there's an onslaught of the enemy on our children. Our children are being targeted by the enemy. If we don't rise up and raise the standard, we will wake up when it's too late. You know, it's so interesting. Our children are no longer just influenced by friends at school or being in community. Right in our own homes, through the screen, they're being influenced. So as parents, I want to say these words of Joshua. When we say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, let us be vigilant. Let us be vigilant. Let us watch what our kids are consuming, what they expose themselves to here on social media. You know, I like to quote Mzamo. He, he said some time back that social media algorithm is not your friend. Social media algorithm is not your friend. I don't know if you realize, maybe it's happening only to Tammy and I. Every time I watch on uh, YouTube and I get these clips about uh, soccer, they keep giving me Ronaldo, Messi. The algorithm is following what I like. So if you don't realize and watch what you're consuming, the algorithm will keep bringing back what you like. And you don't realize that talking about holiness, you get tainted by the things of this world. They start to define you and not being defined by God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose whom you will serve. This is the crux of the sermon. They say, we will serve the Lord. And then Joshua says, no, 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 you committed too quickly. You committed too quickly. Relax. You are too fast. You are going too fast. You are going too fast. Relax. 
You don't know what it means to serve the Lord. You have no idea what it means to serve this God. He says, you are not able to serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He gives them two reasons. He says, there's two reasons why it may be difficult for you to serve the Lord. Children of God, every nation Rosebank, understand that today, as we begin this year, if we are to choose to serve the Lord, we need to understand His holiness and also understand that He's a jealous God. Let's go back to the analogy of the sun. When we say God is holy, it means that you know that they've tried to send things to the sun, and the closer you get to the sun, you just get consumed. They just get annihilated. They get burnt up. You can go and Google it. You can go and search it. There's nothing that can get closer to the sun. The closer you get to the sun, you get consumed. So it means that the holiness of God, not only it's beautiful, but it's also dangerous. Let me explain it to you in a different way. If you go read Exodus 38, they say that in the Old Testament, when the priests will go, to the Holy of Holies, to bring in the blood as a sign of saying, Lord, please forgive us for our sins. Only the high priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. Now, the high priest's garment had bells so that when they go into the Holy of Holies, they can hear the bells ringing. It means that he's still alive. Because if the priest goes in and he's not holy, he has not ceremonially cleansed himself, he may just be struck by God and he'll be dead. But another thing they do is they will put on a rope on his leg on his, to just be able to pull him out because no one is going to go in there. I was thinking about it, Greg. I'm so grateful I'm the priest in the New Testament. If you're a priest in the Old Testament, you go in there and the presence of God strikes you dead. We have to pull you with a rope. And I'm not sure if the guys here at Every Nation Rosebank will pull me out. In fact, in the 830 service, they say we should all just uh, uh, select the record to represent us. <laughs> in, this sec- in this service, we'll select Greg to represent us. Why am I telling you this story? You know, some Bible scholars, they say that the priest will sometimes go in there and be so fascinated by the presence of God that it will be difficult for them to come out. Talk about being slain in the spirit. Right there in the Old Testament. They would be so amazed by the grandeur of God because the Bible says the Lord will come down on top of the ark when the blood is presented and they will just be stuck in the presence of God. They will just be awed by His presence. That it will be difficult for them to come out. So when the bells goes dead, the bells are not ringing anymore they will pull them with a rope just to rescue them from the presence of God. Now we live in the New Testament where the turn curtain has been torn. The Bible says through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can enter into the Holy of Holies and we don't have to be struck down by His presence. Saints, I want you to get this revelation that the holiness of God is both beautiful but also dangerous. Let's not play with the holiness of God. I like the fact that it says, you are not able to serve the Lord. But in the New Testament, if I were to quote what my kids taught me recently, is God is able 
to enable the unable to be able. God is able to enable the unable to be able. Okay, maybe you want to repeat after me. God is able to enable the unable to be able. You got it. You got it. Prof, we've got good students here. Professor Shola is very impressed with me right now. God is able to make the unable to be able. It is through the blood of Jesus we can enter into his presence. The sun represents the presence of God. So the only way to be consumed, not to be consumed by the heat of God's holiness, is when we come clothed with the holiness of the Son of God, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. In fact, when we take it uh, to uh, right at the end, when we get to experience the full grandeur, the magnificence of God, when we get to heaven, when we get to see the throne of fire, this theophanic manifest presence of God in heaven. The Bible says, if you missed it, uh, in, uh, on Christmas, Pastor Lerico mentioned that the sun is going to disappear. The sun is not going to be there because the glory of God is so amazing. We're not going to need 44 quadrillion watts. Listen to this, it says, when we get to heaven, the new heaven, the new earth, new Jerusalem, and the city has no need of the sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the lamp is its light. How beautiful that is. When we get to heaven and experience God, when we are in his presence, the sun is not needed, the moon is not needed, because God's glory is so powerful. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty. But those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, those who've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, will make it in. Amen. As we start to wrap it up, this is a call to holiness. There are two reasons that um, Joshua gave the Israelites saying, this is why you will not be able to serve the Lord because he's holy and you don't understand the holiness, the beauty and the danger of his holiness. But he also says that God is a jealous God. What does it mean? God does not want to share his love relationship with anyone because God will not cheat on us. Why should we cheat on him? God will never cheat on you. You know, Living a holy life can make your life unbelievably happy. If you don't know, it can make your life unbelievably happy. I have come to this realization that we are so fixated with behavioral holiness, how we behave ourselves, how we conduct, but I've come to realize that affectional holiness leads to behavioral holiness. Affectional holiness is a love relationship I have with God that is so beautiful, that is so magnificent, that is so incredible, that actually makes me want to be like Him and to be holy. So holiness that I'm talking about this morning is not holiness that comes with a tick box of saying, oh, I've sinned, I've done it again, or I've fallen again, but it's the kind of holiness that I love Him so much. I love Him so much. I don't want to sin against him. You know, I was pondering about this. I was realizing that, you know, um, one, of, one of the main reasons I've not cheated 
on my wife of 23 years. It's not only because she's so wonderful, she forgives me so much. It's not only because I married up. It's not only that when we fight, our kids says our fights are cheesy fights. It's not only that. It's not only the fear of God. You will think it's the fear of God. But it's because of this relationship I have with God. Because of the relationship I have with Him, I don't want to mess this relationship. I don't want to. I know God will forgive, God will restore, but I don't want to mess this amazing love relationship I have with Jesus. So I actually realized that it's not because of self-discipline and all these great things that we need, but because of an understanding of affectional holiness. Affectional holiness is a love relationship that will help you to be holy. Not a tick box of I've sinned, I've not sinned, I've sinned, I've not sinned, I've done it again. But love, love, love. I love him so much. I don't want to mess up. Even when I mess up, his love brings me back. A call to holiness is realizing that the holiness we're talking about is delight versus duty. The holiness we're speaking about is relationship versus religion. The holiness we're talking about is intimacy versus intimidation. It's joy and pleasure, according to verse 10 of Psalm 16. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or to the grave or to Hades or to hell. You will let your holy ones, you will, or let your holy ones see corruption. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures for evermore. In God's presence, in God's grandeur, God's magnificence, there is fullness of joy. May I ask us to stand up? This is a call to holiness. What does it look like practically? You have been set apart as holy to the Lord, your God. And he has chosen you from all the nations of the earth to be his own special treasure. What does it mean to be set apart? Being set apart is very much the same as what I started with about staring and gazing at the sun. I felt to share this with you that um, we need to be careful what we are staring at, what we are gazing at. You know, recently I've been driving a lot with my son who's preparing for his driver's license test. So good to have a chauffeur, finally I've arrived. But I've noticed something happens when we are driving. Because you have to do these observations that all of us don't do. You're forgiven, you're forgiven. These observations, you look, you look, you look, you look before you go forward. You look, you look, you look before you go forward. And I realized that he's spending too much time looking and observing and the car tends to follow the direction of your eyesight. And I got a revelation right there to say that 
There are certain things that we are observing, that we're looking at that are good, but we don't realize that the direction of our lives is following those good things that we are gazing, that we are staring, that we are observing. Be careful how much time you spend in those things. As we begin the year, I believe some of us, part of consecration is how much time you are spending on the screen. Those are good things. Maybe TikTok, there's some good things there. YouTube, there's some good things. All the social media. But remember, social media algorithm is not your friend. I guess the best way to put it for us to remember is what you consume will consume you. What you consume will consume you. I'd rather be consumed by the fire of God. Let's bow our heads to pray. First Peter 1, 3, 13 says, So prepare your minds for action. Be completely sober, spirit, and steadfast. Self-discipline, spiritually and morally alert. Fix your hope completely on the grace that is coming to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Fix your eyes, fix your hope on Jesus. So we prepare our minds and our hearts to fix our gaze on Jesus. We want to fix our eyes on Jesus, not on the things of this world that take us away from following the direction that God wants us to go. As our heads are bowed and our eyes closed, I want to pray for people in this auditorium this morning who feel that they are far from God and you want to come close to God and you want to give your life to God as Lord and Savior of your life. Or maybe you have served him before, but you've moved away and you want to speak like Joshua and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you are here today and you want to give your life to Christ, you want to come back close to him and serve him wholly, just raise your hand wherever you are. Maybe you're a guest, maybe it's your first time, or maybe you've been coming for some time. But today you want to give your life to Christ. Just raise your hand. You want to recommit your life to Christ. Just raise your hand wherever you are. Thank you for raising your hand. You're making your commitment to serve the Lord to God, not to men. Just raise your hand wherever you are. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Just raise your hand wherever you are. Just raise your hand wherever you are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my sister. Thank you. Just keep your hands raised. Anyone else? Anyone else, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand and say, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I want to serve only God and Him alone I will serve. In this moment of prayer, if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to come to the forward. Come to the front so we can pray for you. Please bring your belongings with you. We want to spend some time with you and pray with you. If you raise your hand, be bold. Come to the front. Thank you so much. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you. Stand right here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well done. Well done. Come stand right here. If you raise your hand, we'll wait for you. Come stand right here. Thank you, young man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying, I want to be set apart. Thank you for coming. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you didn't raise your hand and you know you need to be up here, feel free to come. We want to pray with you. This is one of the best decisions you can ever make. I know that some of you, you may have been Christians already. You feel like you've been far from God. You want to come back to God. This year will be completely different for you. It's good when I see people crying because they know this moment is holy. Family, let's join them and let's pray together this prayer. Heavenly Father, we know that you are a holy God and you accept us as we are. We accept you today as Lord and Savior of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, there's some counselors that are going to spend time with you. Take your contact details so we can be in touch with you. If you can please go with them, just bring your personal belongings with you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Family, may I encourage all of us to take this week to ask God to show us those other gods that we have been serving. We may think that, no, 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 we're good. But there's certain things that are trying to take the place of God in our lives. Let's give God the praise.